From St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas, a joyful Christian community, this is Soulful Sundays. A weekly podcast of our 5 o'clock service. I'm Patrick Miller, Director of St. Mark's. Welcome. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I'm sure Patrick clued everyone in last week when he was here, but we just um, got back from a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Patrick got back early Saturday morning, late Friday night. We get, the rest of us got back Tuesday, and so... It's been stirring in me, this experience that I've just had with a group of 30 or so other pilgrims halfway across the world in a land where uh, English is not the first language. And in fact, none of the alphabets of any of the languages there look anything like English. And so it's truly a foreign experience. It's something that overwhelms and stimulates and overstimulates again and again anytime you walk out your door. And so it's been percolating in me a lot. And I can't help but hear our New Testament reading tonight from Acts about the Ethiopian eunuch with new ears. When you go to Jerusalem, there's a church there called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre where uh, we find six different denominations of Christianity holding jurisdiction over a giant building split into different chapels, which remembers Jesus' crucifixion and burial in the tomb. On the roof of that building, the Ethiopian church resides. 
And so a group of pilgrims and I were walking the Via Dolorosa, the way of the cross, the stations of the cross through the old city of Jerusalem early Friday morning. And the last three or four stations are on the roof of the church because they don't want you inside because of, you know, services going on and lots of tourists. And so they station them up on the roof. And it's this big kind of courtyard area built of limestone. So you can imagine the bricks. It looks a lot like West Texas there, the rocky ground and the shrubbery and all of that. And so limestone kind of cascades around us in these walls. And when we were up there, we heard this beautiful singing. And I was looking around, and a group of Ethiopian Christians were worshiping. And I said, how strange that they're outside worshiping. It turns out the roof of their chapel had collapsed and was needing repair. And rather than try and find a different space, they just moved the worship. It didn't happen right then. It had been collapsed for a while. But they, they met at the wall, the external wall of their chapel to worship every day. And so here we are, this bunch of pilgrims from America, reading the stations and being moved in all of these beautiful ways. And in the midst of all of that, this ancient, ancient worship is happening in a very real, current way. And I'm, I was moved in, in a way that I hadn't expected. And so I started doing some research I read the lectionary for this week. I knew I was preaching, and I said, oh, the Ethiopian eunuch. What's that about? I just saw a bunch of Ethiopians worshiping. Something's going on here. It turns out Ethiopia was the second country in all of history to adopt Christianity as the state religion in 330 A.D. 330 1,800 years ago. The only country to beat them to it was Armenia, and they did it in 301. And even that is still contested. And so there's this really interesting kind of argument between the two countries about who adopted Christianity first. Can you imagine a worship life, a prayer life, a spirituality, government-sanctioned for almost the entirety of of Christian history. It's, it's unreal. It's overwhelming. They're indigenous Christians, essentially, right? The first of the first passed on generation to generation to generation, not removed from their land, not removed from their places of worship, in the place where it all happened. It's overwhelming. So I did some more research, and I read a Christian historian named Eusebius. 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 I got this wrong in seminary all the time. Eusebius. He wrote in the second century in a volume called Ecclesiastical History. Because I thought to myself, you know, Philip, the disciple that evangelizes the Ethiopian eunuch, he gets all the credit all the time. Everyone loves Philip. There are churches named after Philip, right? No churches named after the Ethiopian eunuch. None. Maybe because we don't have his name, but still. Christian history remembers Philip very fondly. He evangelized many people. He brought the good news of the gospel in Christ 
to the known world. So I started reading Eusebius. And Eusebius accounts a story of the eunuch going to Ethiopia, taking his baptism with him, and converting his fellow Ethiopians to the gospel. An unnamed man, unclean, ritually impure, never allowed to approach a place of worship in the ancient Near East. Like, there was no coming back from it, no redemption, no anything. He was always to be on the outside of any kind of spiritual gathering. No future, no progeny, no heritage to pass along. Nothing for him in this world receives the most transformational gift, is brought into a family where there is a future, where there is a gathering of love, where there is redemption and wholeness, and is so overwhelmed and so transformed by it that he brought an entire nation to Christ. 3.30, y'all, is a long time ago. And it's not that far from the time of Jesus. And so as I continue to percolate all of these pilgrimage experiences, I'm so grateful today to think not only of Philip, a great apostle and evangelist, but of the Ethiopian eunuch, a man without a name, a man for all of history, only a single story in Scripture, who should have been nothing, who should have been forgotten, who should have always been on the outside of any kind of spiritual community. I'm thankful for him and for what he teaches us about the transformational power of the gospel because it's still here. It is 2018, and I stood on a roof with, roof with some Ethiopians worshiping Christ, y'all, That's the power of a single, single transformational experience with Jesus. So I hope you go out this week and you're curious, like the eunuch, that you're reading scripture, that you're trying to figure out where Christ is in the world, where hope is for you, where there might be family or community where you thought there was none. I hope you invite other people into that. Because the world changes when we do that, for the better, permanently, for all time. In 2,000 more years, God willing, someone will stand on that roof, worshiping with Ethiopians, reading about the eunuch, and our story will be part of that. We just have to figure out how. Amen.
This episode was produced by St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. Special thanks to our band, led by Cameron Deason-Hammond, and featuring Jeremy Nuncio, Asher Pudlow, and Andrew Gordon. Join us every Sunday for Soulful Sundays at 5 p.m. at St. Mark's, 3816 Bel Air Boulevard in Houston, Texas, or visit us online at stmarks-houston.org.